Hello and welcome to a summer edition of the Frogs of War podcast. I am Parker. I'm not Jamie or Melissa tonight, but I'm here for a special edition, uh, a Stats of War podcast, if you want to call it that, um, looking at some college football analytics and discussing uh, multiple things as we get ready for the season. So I have tonight with me uh, a special guest from uh, the Pac-12, uh, Rob Bowron of Sharp College Football, who is the creator, inventor, proprietor, uh, maintainer, some could say, <laughs> of the beta rank ranking system, um, who's an all-around really smart guy and who is a Pac-12 fan. So, um, Rob, is that that correct? You're Arizona, or yeah, I finished my undergrad at the University of Arizona, and I'm a I'm a pretty big Wildcats fan, I guess you could say. It, it's it's almost nice though because Arizona is rarely in the uh, the conversation and the national conversation for college football. So I don't, I don't often get accused of rigging my model to favor Arizona. <laughs> well, as a TCU fan, I can't really empathize with not having uh, periods of success, but you know, it's, um, I can try. So, uh, no, just kidding. That's great. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on tonight. I'm super excited to, uh, kind of get into the numbers, get into the mechanics and just be super nerdy tonight. Um, having another economic minded person, to talk about something super unimportant like college football. So let's start off. Um, give us the elevator pitch about the beta rank. Tell us what your ranking system does, why it's necessary with all these ranking systems out there, um, and kind of the the broad picture of what this ranking system is. Yeah, so I don't know that I would say it's, I mean, any of them are necessary. <laughs> um, necessary is a big nece- word, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, uh, I would say I, it was a couple of years ago. Um, I was working at the New York Times at the time, and I was I was a little bored actually um, with what was it, what I was doing there. And I was I was flipping through, and I uh, I came I was flipping through uh, ESPN's uh, numbers, their FPI, um, and also some of their their QBR and stuff like that. And as I was going through, I was like, "This is nonsense." <laughs> So that's not necessarily nonsense, but I didn't think it was, I didn't think it was as well done as I could do it. And I sort of thought to myself, well, I really like college football and this is, this is what I do professionally. Um, So I, uh, I I reached out, I found um, sports source analytics, the folks that provide uh, college football rankings data to the college football playoff committee. Um, And I, I met, I tooled around with their, uh, their data set. And I actually, I felt like I did, I found what I wanted. I was able to to model it the way I wanted to do it, Um, which is, and I sort of, if you want the elevator pitch for beta rank, with beta rank. Yeah. Give us the, yeah. Give us the, like, I don't, we'll we'll get deeper as we go, but give us the person who doesn't know anything about stats. What do they need to know about beta rank? So one of the most important things about it is, is that it, because it's, it's built as a, as a model, it, it in, I, in, I try to encompass all the factors that you can think of that would matter um, on, you know, c- that you need to control for in order to sort of accurately predict whether a team's going to win a game or not. But I'm not really trying to predict who wins games. I'm trying to predict who's trying to score, who's going to score on every drive. Uh, and so for beta rank, it, I get into the level of, and it's, it's not just one model. Beta rank is a series of multi-level hierarchical models um, that work together to get into a deep level of college football, to be able to say that for this team, I, I've controlled for their starting field positions across the season. I've controlled for their opponents. Um, at some level, I'm even you know controlling for some level of conference, um, though that gets a little messy. Uh, but beta rank, it's at its heart, it is it is you know trying to not it's not trying to tell you who's going to win football games. It's trying to tell you perhaps who should win football games, and that's a very different thing. Um, and I think a lot of college football fans get lost in that. I mean, the um, it's not necessarily, you know, when you get into advanced stats and modeling, it's not, it is in this, I have this as sort of like pinned tweet, but it's not whether you win the game. It's like your dad said, it's like how you play the game. That's what models are sort of doing. <laughs> um, but I have, a, I have a view across all 130 college football teams. And that's something that's, that's sort of hard to do. Um, and that your average, even your, you know, most avid um, college football writer uh, isn't going to isn't going to be able to drill down into, um, but yeah, I mean, I measure myself. I mean, I mostly measure myself against two things: um, predicting who wins games and predicting the spread. Uh, and and that's how I sort of that's how I mean. If I'm if I'm running out new model changes, if I'm going to run out a new champion beta rank model, the champion has to outperform the challenger. You know, the challenger has to outperform the current champion model in predicting wins and predicting spreads. Awesome. Yeah. And those are, those are 
good goals and also very fun to kind of play around with and see like, hey, is this actually in tune with not only reality, but what people are, what people like, what the line setters think reality is. Yeah. Um, okay. So you are taking, you're controlling for starting field position. Um, you're controlling for quality of opponent. Uh, so in what ways are you, you're familiar with Bill Conley's yeah. five factors, um, formerly of SB Nation. Um, in what ways are you different controlling yeah. away what he does or in what ways are you different from that five factors? Cause that seems to be the most, the, the, the simplistic way to approach that so far is, Hey, you win these five things, you win the game. Um, what does it mean that you're controlling for those for people who might not understand that? And how is that different from what bill is doing? So or S and P or FEI or yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting. Cause in a lot of, uh, if you go through beta rank in any given season, it's it's data set that it's built on top of is closer to FEI, um, so those are both drive level, drive level scoring systems, drive level models, um, and then they're trying to predict points per drive. Um, Bill Connolly's system is actually more of a yards based system, and that's that's fine. Beta, I mean Beta Rank. I I, I have some of the models that run in Beta Rank, actually the majority of the models that run in Beta Rank are um, yards type models that are taking some component of yards per play uh, and, and, and factoring those in. But eventually it, it all has to roll up into the sort of workhorse points model um, that says, all right, no matter, no matter how much you did point, you know, points per play, or if you had an explosive drive where you had a lot of yard, I mean, not points per play, uh, yards per play. And if you had an explosive drive where you have, you know, quite a high yards per play, uh, or if you, you know, what I count as negative drives, if you avoided a negative drive, which was a three and out or a turnover, it, controlling for those things, then we come back and we, you know, come back with drive efficiency. And this is critical. This is one of the things that I think beta rank does well. And that is, um, I think differentiates it from other models out there is that I don't just do points. I don't just do yards. I control for, I, I try to control for both of those things in a, in a couple of different models that all work together. Uh, to try to you know come back in and say teams are good at this, um, teams are less good at that. Um, but I think if you know one of the more important factors that I think sometimes people struggle with it with beta rank, um, and it's almost really helpful the way um, Alabama <laughs> um, Alabama lost to Clemson by a lot. Um, but Alabama, if you looked at it at a yard at a yards, it, like if you were only looking at pure yards based models. Alabama did really well in that game. Alabama put up a lot of yards. They had some big plays. They just didn't put up points. And that's what drive efficiency, which is one of the main components of beta rank, scores on. Even if you put up yards, even if you put up a lot of yards, put up big plays, if you're not completing drives, putting up points, calling the right plays and executing them in sequence, because college football isn't just one play. I mean, in theory, it's just one play at a time, but drives are sequences of plays that are often trying to set the defense up to score. Um, so it's, there's the, the if Bill, Bill Conley has his five factors, beta rank is, you know, beta rank's built on, uh, I have, yeah, I mean, you have field position, of course, that matters. So I guess I, maybe I have five too, but <laughs> the things that I, the things that I sort of come back and score on, um, are, uh, at least for the offense and the defense are, uh, drive efficiency, which is like I said, like, even if you put up yards, even if you put up big plays, even if you avoid bad plays, do you still manage to put up points, um, play efficiency and play efficiency is pretty simple. It's a yards per play metric. Uh, explosive drives, explosive drives, you know, that's just ca capturing, I'm really capturing non-linear effects in the, um, in the yards per play metric there, right? Like really big play, you yeah. know, um, it, you know, that, that's what I'm doing there. And then negative drives, like, can you just avoid going three and out? Like if you get past that three and out, you know, can you stay on the field and put some points up? Um, those things working together and they each have their own models, you know, sort of underneath it. Um, those things working together are what make up beta rank along with special teams. And I, I probably do special teams differently than other people too, but I mean like in, uh, in what way? Well, I mean, so I, I judge kickers based on expected, the expected, like their expected value for, Oh, I have, a, I have a link for you. I did a, I did basically like a pro bit. Yeah, yeah. Earlier this off season. Okay. Yeah. Just like pro bit of, all right, little kicker individual effect, but also, down distance inside a field yeah and then said how likely like yeah okay cool 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 yeah yeah i don't see a lot of people do that uh yeah they treat special teams a little 
a little weirder than that. Yeah. Um, but that seems to make a lot of sense. I mean, because, I mean, the, 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 there are four, I mean, there it always comes down to five i swear like at, at least it's not three like the world does often break into threes oddly enough but um the, i mean the in beta rank there are five sort of special team scores there's you know punt returns punt to, you know punt coverage um you know you know kickoff returns and kick coverage and then those are those are pretty straightforward i handle those as a uh, as a field position score essentially right. I, I you know and then the uh but for the kicking the actual you know uh, place kicking game uh, it's expected. It's a it's a measure of expected expected field goal points from a given distance. And I use I have nine years of college football data. I use the ex- oh, dang. Uh, so I use the expected um, I use the expected value essentially. Like, do you make field goals? Do you know? Do, do kickers make field goals here or miss them? <laughs> so basically, I'm ju- yeah. I'm judging you against the average of kickers who ki- who try to kick from this distance. And then if you make it, you know, you're better, right? Like I'm not, I'm basically, I want to give, I want to give folks credit. I don't want to give, I don't want to hurt people for missing, you know, 55 yard field goals or something right. like that. Like that seems, you know, penurious. Like I, I, I want to, I, but I also don't want to give people too much credit for nailing, you know, like a 15 yarder. So, <laughs> although college yeah, kickers, yeah. but um, you never, you never know. Yeah. Um, so do you, so that, that brings up, you know, five or six questions that I, I'll try and remember all of, and we'll just kind of float through. Um, so the biggest thing there, college kickers, that joke, but also, you know, the kicker for, um, I won't put anybody on the spot, Southwest directional state college might not be uh, as talented necessarily as, you know, the kicker at Alabama's a bad example as the kicker at LSU or something. So, um, and that kind of can, that talent can go, uh, can be pervasive in, you know, group of five, power five. So do you have any rankings beyond conference specifics that kind of weight power five versus com, um, versus group of five or, you know, basically I'm asking was UCF your national champion? Two years no, ago? no. Uh, sorry, UCF <laughs> fans uh, and UCF fans are super active and will search. So like anytime I post any kind of ranking that UCF is in, like I probably get more retweets from UCF fans than anyone else. Um, I'm going to title this Rob hates UCF. No, yeah, please do. Put, I mean, la- last year it was Texas fans on Reddit. Um, oh. Because we can we actually can't talk about Texas fans because the same thing will happen and they will come and burn our houses. Oh no! Uh, I mean, I just my whole thing was that they I I started jokingly referring to them as turnover aided Texas because when they played somebody that was good uh, and they got a lot of turnovers. I mean, and then of course they like they show up and just like boat race Georgia. I mean, bowl games, whatever. Um, Of course, yeah, (laughs) but yeah, of course. But I mean, like up like throughout the season, like they were they were when they won games that they weren't supposed to, they were usually plus two or three or more on turnovers. Um, yep. So with, um, with, with power five and group of five, and even with conference, like it is hard to control for conference specifically. And I, I went into this last season and beta rank, like a lot of advanced models, the sec last season had a, uh, had a very good non-conference uh, and that set them up. So, uh, college football, you have a, uh, and your, you, I can use this term here. We, you have a bit of a heteroscedasticity problem. Um, Ooh, yeah. I have a break that down, break that down for a friend. <laughs> so <laughs> you, you, the best way to describe it is I have lumpy data. Um, so if you think of, um, if you think of even something like, like, let's take schools, right? So schools, uh, you could just try to measure school performance, um, across schools, just, naively and say like all right what's the average performance on a test for kids at this school versus that school but here's the thing people tend to live in neighborhoods with people who have incomes and educational backgrounds like them (laughs) so if you want to isolate school Mm -hmm. effects you have a bit of a problem right like i have a bit of a problem and that like i have very like, like your your variance your means they're all highly clustered and they're all related to other factors in this case, like if you if you laid out, um, and I did this. There's a free topology software out there called Gephi. Um, I don't know if anybody like if you like if you like math, topology school. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you can I, I laid it for the for the uninitiated. Topography is like shapes in multiple dimensions, kind of like think about a map and elevation. Yeah, and you can kind of spread those things out. Or yeah. if you've ever seen like social networking type analysis or visuals, yeah, right? right. Um, you know there are nodes. You know. Um, and, and so like it's 
college football, but if you map out a college football season, what you get is a lot of clusters because you have these clusters of conferences and they all play a bunch of games against each other. But then you're connecting, you know, lines that are connecting these, these centroids are, you know, these clusters. There, there are just a couple of them and it's your non-conference games. You know, it's three or four non-conference games against, um, you know, other F, FBS opponents. I kick out FCS games. I'm a little different than other folks. I don't think, I think that the, I don't find them terribly useful. I, they actually make the model less predictive and I don't do anything that makes the model less predictive. Um, although laugh, <laughs> but anyway, so I, I'll come like, I also, I, it's one of the things that I do differently, that I specifically do differently than S&P. And that is that I don't, uh, I don't count those FCS games because the, I mean, just the sheer money spent on football between, I, between the two teams yeah. makes them fairly non-comparable. Um, and then I'm, but I'm also, if I include those, I'm actually making my, my cluster data problem worse because now I have these new FCS clusters. <laughs> <laughs> with even fewer nodes and yes. connecting and yeah so yeah and so it makes it way worse and it's an exhibition okay wait so uh, we're very circular we're going to come back to heteroscedasticity and comparing power five i want to branch off that really quick and just say what do you do with rutgers compared to you know north dakota state or james madison or somebody who's going to put up an actual fight do you where's the line of demarcation do you filter out for quality in terms of that, are you going to get garbage time adjustments? Are going to take care of most of that for for power five schools? So I have um, I have another confession. I don't use garbage time in the way oh, that no. Other, no in the way that other people do. Oh, okay, okay. Um, I was going to say that's heresy. But, no, no, um. it's not. Well, so here's the problem. Like if and I so last season, um, in a bit of in a bit of oh I'm kind of busy and also, um, I was I was actually I thought it might help my sec problem because the sec had such a good non-conference that they i mean they look great and the day and then of course that of course they don't follow through in bowl season um, oh never so for me i um i but i i actually went through and looked up and i handle i've handled i handle garbage time not by throwing data out but by applying um an exponential decay to okay. the weight that i give to those drives um, okay. and that actually, so last season in a fit of being both busy at my actual job, <laughs> I actually, I replicated the rules that, uh, Bill Connolly uses for garbage time and they may work better in his model, but they actually, when I actually had time to go back and score it, they, they over, over a couple thousand games that I have, they, 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 they the beta rank, uh, predicts winners about 80% of the time it by applying those rules for garbage time instead of the exponential decay I dropped the model fit to 78% for predicting winners so I was, I was like oh wait a minute bad I <laughs> I have to go yeah. I have to go back and but apologize that... to people and say I did a bad and I didn't check my work <laughs> I implemented something without running my normal checks and I am sorry um, interesting so in what way is that though kind of an endogeneity problem in terms of good teams are going to have garbage time more often. So if you filter that out, you're actually going to predict them being worse and that decreases your win probability or your win projection I mean, it, or accuracy. If I, if I, the funny thing was, is actually if I, if, if you implement garbage time, your, um, your very good teams all of a sudden look incredible. <laughs> um, and it's really, yeah, I mean, it's not because you're, because garbage time is very often when their defenses get scored on. Right. And their offenses really aren't pushing very hard because they're up by, you know, 40, right. um, using an ex using an exponential decay, as opposed to that, it allows me to adequately weight those in because like those drives happen. They were in real games. You know, there were real players there. There were coaches right. calling plays and it tells me something about the team. Even if I've got the second string in, it tells me something about the team. Now, I may, right. by the time they have that second string in, I may only be waiting that drive, you know, 10% versus a drive where the score is closer to even. But handling, handling it where I'm looking across all the data and giving it a weighting um, gives me a better model fit. So I'm better at predicting winners. I'm better at predicting spreads. And that's, that, the, the key there is not just the spreads, because of course I'm better at predicting spreads, right? Like I, I, by including garbage right. time, I'm including what the actual scores were. Um, but the important measure there for with garbage time is that I predict more winners overall, regardless of score. 
Um, and that's key. So across, across, mar across very marginal games, right, like very close games uh, in the model where a model adjustment here or there might predict a different team winning, you know, you, you, leaving garbage time in helps. Now this, again, like everybody's model's different. So like what works in my model may have different interaction effects than someone else's. Right, um, right. But it, it, it's, it's something, I mean, and I, I, I mean, I, I do another exponential decay to weight the model towards recency. So I can't, I can't control for uh, injuries because that would be bananas. And I would, have, yeah. Oh, yeah. I would have a, um, I already have a pretty saturated model. Um, I would have a, uh, saturating is, you know, like I, if, if you have a, like, let's say I have a factor called team, right? Like I saturate out in the main model, uh, with team dummies to control the, you know, to, to help generate out the drive efficiency. Um, if I tried to saturate out for injury injuries where I had, you know, this was, I, you almost end up with a time. I mean, you do end up with a bit of a time series then. Um, and I'm already dealing yeah. with enough of a time series and the, the, the weighting I do, um, allows me to catch it. So if, if an injury happens week to week, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to catch it if it just happened last week, um, you know, two, three weeks down the road, I, I'm really starting to show the effects of that. But teams are also yeah. different as the season goes on. It doesn't make any sense to me to say, oh, at the beginning of the season, Miami beat Florida State and last week they lost to Boston College. Which one do I care about more? Yeah. And so much of that is the one shot kind of reality you know you hear everybody talk about well if alabama and clemson had played seven games it would have been different and well yes of course it would have been different if we'd have played multiple games but i saw somewhere years ago maybe it might have actually been in journal of sports economics but it was looking at uh how many games would the mlb have to play in the world series for the re result to be statistically significant <laughs> and they said so it was like 193 was the series that would mean oh this result actually reflected who is the true winner or something crazy. And I think that's what people don't realize about college football so much. You're talking about how to play the game, how you played the game earlier, but people don't realize that every Saturday is a crazy random draw from a distribution that includes potential outcomes of, you know, from anything like the star quarterback's girlfriend broke up with him the night before to the best player trips on a blade of grass and pulls his hamstring 37 seconds before the game starts you know yeah. like there's all these possible outcomes that could happen and we're getting the smallest of one draw that comes that comes out of that yeah you're you're any anytime you have a small sample size wacky 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 things happen um but football i mean predicting you know predicting college football for each you do i have a i have a i mean i have sort of another you know problem in that like for each team yes i have you know on the order of you know, almost 150 or so, maybe more drives for each offensive and defensive unit for a team, give or take. So, I, you know, I'm pretty confident across the season. But the truth is, is I only have, you know, those those matchups against a handful of other teams, really. And if there are, and those team effects might over outweigh the individual drive effects within the data, right? So, I mean, that's why get, like getting the team controls in there is so critical to try to to try to factor that in. But um, yeah, it's you, it's you can end up with a lot of craziness. Like, I mean, I get stuff occasionally. Like, I mean, at the end of last season, uh, Alabama was still the number one team in my model because over the mm -hmm. weight of the season, Alabama had just played better against better teams. Uh, and then they happen to have quite a bad night against Clemson. And that's, that is even with the, the recency I have built in, you know, Clemson still came in second, but you know, kudos to them. They yeah, played I'm gonna, a great I'm, game. I'm going to read off your top 10 from to the end of 2018. So I'm on, we'll plug this again, but I'm on sharpcollegefootball.com, uh, which hosts the beta rank among uh, other things. And you guys can check that out. But so the 2018 final top 10 for the beta rank was Alabama 1, Clemson, Georgia, Mississippi State 4, Texas A&M 5, Missouri 6, Florida 7, LSU 8, Oklahoma 9, Iowa 10. So that list is uh, extremely controversial heavy. to say in the least. Yeah, I mean, yeah. no, and this is, this is, I mean, everyone... S&P Plus had a little bit of this problem last season. Yeah. Um, FEI had a little bit of this problem last season. I went back. I, it's not It's not normal in my model to have one conference. Just so, just so you know, right. this doesn't happen often. And it, in fact, yeah. it did happen. And I spent 
probably two months this off season tinkering with trying to build in full on conference effect controls into the model because I thought, man, like I don't, um, you know, like what, what, what did I do wrong? Essentially like what, where I can't control for this. Like, so the, the truth is the SEC, like I said, just had a, a fantastic non-conference and that sets you up. Right. Because we have, we only have those, you know, handful of connectors between conferences. So as, as a result, um, we are stuck with, um, we're stuck with those results. And I, I mean, like it's, uh, it's, it was, t- it was, it was tough in bowl season when a lot of these SEC teams would then went out and lost. <laughs> uh, and every, yeah. everybody looked like they sort of had a bit of egg on their face. Um, right. You know, right. like, uh, but the truth is, is like, as I, I, as I attempted to control, I could, I could make it, I, I could create dispersions by conference so that you ended up with a different top 10. The problem is, is when I went back and graded those models against the base model on predicting wins um, over the nine years of data I have and predicting spreads, uh, this model wins, hands down. I mean, big time. I went back and tried to, um, I also tried to account and said, all right, well, what if I try, you know, for a power five versus group of five effect, right? and that also, like that, that was worse. <laughs> so yeah, I can I can imagine that one being a little because the top is just so hard to contextualize. Yeah. Okay, so uh, clarify for us: is Beta Rank uh, looking backwards or predictive? So Mississippi State is number four with a Beta Rank of one point eight nine. Yep. If they were to play number ten Iowa, who has a Beta Rank of one point five one, on a neutral site. Yep. What do those numbers mean about who's going to win and why? Why you think that? So those numbers, so uh, th- those numbers mean Mississippi State is favored to win the game. Um, so right. when I I, t- I take a a prior beta rank, I mean, so beta rank itself, I don't, I do run my own spread model. I don't give that to anyone <laughs> that's probably but uh, there that's kind of the element of you know you ever seen like one of those um idiot's guide to songwriting yeah. and you're kind of like man if this guy knew how to write a hit single i'm not sure he would be writing the idiot's guide to songwriting yeah. so there is some element of if it works you probably don't tell people but yeah. i also i mean the other part is i mean because i have so many years of data and games um i basically t- i output a posterior distribution right um of Okay. So th- and this is this is one of the ways to really grade beta rank, right? Like if beta rank, um, you know, if I ended up saying like as as distance between two teams grows, so you gave us Mississippi State and Iowa there, you know, like they're roughly you know about point four points per drive difference, give or take. Um, so for those teams, that 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 point four outputs to a posterior distribution. So I, I bucket. Um, all the games and uh, you know by distance and then as distance between teams grows when it turns out luckily enough <laughs> um, win probability also converges to one um, that makes sense right so like I did not build this I mean I mean there are times I thought I did build a stupid model but I did not in, end up with a fully stupid model <laughs> and um, nice. so uh, and that's that's a real plus like that that's something that uh, you know, when we look at this, so I, again, like I, I really did have a hard look in the mirror. Like, is my math terrible? <laughs> Can I do better? Because I mean, every, I hope everyone thinks that I, I like the further you get into mathematics um, and the further you get into modeling and, and you and I both have a background in yeah. economics. So uh, economists are trained to think in models. Um, if you, the further you get into that, like when people tell me that I like math because there's like certainty or something like that, well, like you didn't get very far because like the further you get into math and particularly probability space, like the way less certain you get about things. Um, and in particular with this, like, I don't, I've, this is the best beta rank I've ever built. It's probably not the best beta rank I ever will build. Um, and so I'm constantly sort of tinkering, like my next thing to go get is weather data, um, Oh, to hit an API. yeah, that would be awesome. To hit an API. Well, part of, I mean, like, so, like, in the Pac-12, we had, and we were, I was so excited for this game. Like, Mike Leach's offense last season was awesome. Like, Gardner, the Gardner Minshew pulling a trigger. Oh, yeah. You know, they had a top-ten offense. Uh, Washington came in with a top-ten defense. 
I was so excited for the game, and then it was just a miserable snowball, and like Washington State just could not do anything in the weather, and I was like, man, that sucks. Like, I mean, it was terrible yeah. to watch because, as someone that is just a fan of college football, I wanted to see those two units really go at each other. Um, right. But I also realized afterwards, I was like, because I I sometimes run an exercise for some of the teams in the Pac-12, and it would it would take a lot of CPUs, and I, I mean I run this on Google's Google Cloud, um, so I have my own server up there, <laughs> my own virtual machine to run okay. this. Um, so I uh, I mean I guess I have the CPUs, and I could loop this in Python to do it. But for some teams, I'll go through and I'll uh, I will measure the effect of a game on a team, you know, on their scores um, by dropping that game. And then seeing where they were and where they would have been without that game in there, and um, Washington got a decent bump from you know shutting the. I mean, shutting they got a decent, yeah. but some of that is weather. How much of that's Washington? How much of that is weather? Right? They're thinking that like Notre yeah. Dame, that god awful Notre Dame. Was it Clemson? Like Rain Bowl a couple years ago, or was it like yeah. NC State or something? Like I mean, or I think it was NC State Notre Dame where it was just like they were they were basically both running the triple option, or I think it was um, Michigan Iowa two years ago. Yeah, we're in the fourth quarter. It just out of nowhere, like a foot of snow, and Michigan couldn't. Yeah, like they were driving, and the fourth quarter happened. It just drops a blanket of snow, and Michigan can't do anything. Yeah, so I've been, I have a, been looking at because I mean, weather's handy because not only can I get backward-looking weather potentially, um, I get I can do I can get forecasts, and they're that is wild. So I know, <laughs> but I've actually I mean I I don't know that I mean there I will find things you know, to further work on. But I mean, I managed to boost my model fit with some other tweaks I made this off season by about 6%, which is the most I've ever done in any off season. Wow. Um, and wow. that is, uh, but I'm, uh, I'm like running out of ideas. <laughs> so <laughs> like, and then it's not to say that like, again, like that there's not a better model out there. There, there undoubtedly is. And, um, but weather data is something where I'm like, all right, let's try that. Um, so I'm, I'm constantly yeah. trying and tinkering with things and, I'm actually really excited because um, part of like, I mean, I had been running, we've been running on uh, Wildcat Radio, which is, you know, one of the podcasts I'm a part of. Um, and I, I was driving a lot. I drive a lot of traffic in the season, uh, particularly uh, Reddit fans come and check me out because I have some Reddit bots that post across Reddit. Um, oh, nice. But I would often get the question of like, what are these numbers doing on an Arizona site? Like, what is this rinky dink nonsense? So, <laughs> yeah. Um, we, uh, you know, we, we launched Sharp College Football. And also, I've been working with Google Data Studio. I mean, I sit on so much data. And I was... Uh, Interesting. I was putting... I was... I, I, I'm a... For my job title, which is data scientist, I prefer to think of myself as an econometrician. That was my title when I worked at American Express. Uh, nice. No one knows what no one knows what that means anymore. No. So yeah, you got to go with the data scientist. But yeah. So I, I liked that one. Um, well, I mean, Amex had been hiring math nerds for a very long time um, before. Like when I started and I le when I left graduate school, um, data scientist wasn't a thing yet. Uh, so yeah. But the uh, like I I I write. I write very good Python for my job title. I mean, and if I guess if you put a gun to my head, I could go write SAS or something like that again. Um, and I can write some R, um, but Python is my, my current language of choice. Like I dabble in a little Julia, but like I could do lots of stuff in Python, including like I, I learned how to write some pretty rudimentary HTML in Java and, and to write, okay. write Python engines to sort of output visuals that I was able to embed with HTML. But man, with Google Data Studio, like I can just embed so much data and I can like save awesome. the reports and up, like I only have now for me, like whereas before, like I was manually updating pages and copying and pasting this HTML because like I just, I'm not like a, I was like, do I really want to have to learn how to write web APIs? Like the answer is no. <laughs> no, no, you do not. <laughs> no, but now, like with Google Data Studio, like I'm able to give. I mean, with the exception of, um, uh, and I do want to take some credit. I was the first person to do radar charts, <laughs> and I. It's fine. He's not. He left. He left SB Nation. So yeah, we. I can, do want to uh, take some can, credit. I was the first you know. person to do radar charts, but uh, like that's the only thing I haven't really been able to copy in Data Studio. But I'm able to expose. 
I mean, I'm able, instead of having five or six pages, one for each year, you know, I mean, I guess it was like seven or eight or nine pages, one for each year of college football data I have. Um, right. I'm able to now put them on one page and you can sort them by year. And now that, you know, the, all the tables are sortable, you can sort them by conference. You can sort them by power five awesome. versus group of five. Um, I've got, you know, like conference, I'm, I'm working on conference pages. I have, um, along with that sort of, uh, I think of it as that that win probability is is again it's a, it's a posterior calculation. So it is basically just taking the model output and saying like how often was the model right in this in, in this particular bucket. Um, that I but I can also I also output a naive spread with that is what I call it. It's pretty good. Like I don't I don't beat it by much with my specific spread model at the point at this point. So I do put up a naive spread there. Um gamble at your own risk. <laughs> I I would I would I would tell people though that like uh if you want to do this if you want to gamble it, like you gotta gamble a lot of games because the law yeah. of large numbers. You gotta right? get the average yeah. yeah the law of numbers you gotta get the average. That's cool. Okay that's awesome. I wanted to ask a little bit about your um your setup because uh, that's always just interesting. I think so many people don't understand that a lot of, you know, they go to a website and see some numbers on a page and think, oh, this person, you know, was in Excel and then copy and paste it and type some things. But it's, you know, lots of code and lots of finagling behind the scenes. Um, I don't know how website, Bill, website Bill Connolly looks, does it. Like, as you say, like, I just, I, in some will, level, I admire his, his ability to be committed to doing it in spreadsheets. But I mean, I, when I left graduate school, I was, I taught courses in grad school on Stata. I mean, of all things, right? Like, I mean, that, that's, that's, yeah. that's used much in the real world. Um, yeah. but like I had to learn, um, I learned to code in Linux from an old Russian PhD in oh, economics gosh. that I worked with at Amex. And like, man, I still, I, I code right on the black box, man. Like I, uh, I, 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 I code in VI with Python. Like I, I have jobs croned out, um, I have Python. I have uh, Twitter bots written in Python that I use cron to tell what to do. Dang. <laughs> Anything. That is the computer science part. Yeah. If anyone listening uh, knows what that means, that was just for your edification right there. Uh, that's that's crazy. That's the next level. Yeah. I'm in I'm in Stata and Python. I've tried to do some R stuff, but it's like yeah, the graphics are cool. But by the time I'm doing it in R, I could just have done it in Python or Stata easily, and then yeah. put any external graphics I want on it. So it's like. R is easy. R is cool. I don't know. I, I would tell anyone who's like in high school or college and wants to learn how to do some data stuff. Well, learn Python. But if you just want to put together some cool graphs, R is super easy. Well, to I mean, up. the difference is like R when I was starting. I mean, this is like super dorky, but to get into this, I, have, I actually have lots of opinions on these kinds of things because of what I do for this a is, living. This is the podcast for that right now. So, it's probably not ever going to happen again, but it's right now. It's so, the I mean, like, if you that. like R when it started out, it was it was in a lot of ways like a free replacement for MATLAB. Um, yes. And so it and then it evolved um, but R, at some level, it was not designed as a programming language. Like, they've tried to build some programming language functionality around it. Python started out as a programming language, and they've added a lot of the math and stats, you know, capabilities along with it. Um, so I find that, and I, I mean, if you really want to dork out, like, I still do, I write a lot of my math in NumPy and linear algebra, <laughs> so okay. that I always know what's going on. Um, right, but you right. can do that. I mean, that kind of stuff, like you could fully do that kind of stuff, like in Python, but for the stuff that I fully don't know how to do, which is like, I don't know, build a Twitter bot from scratch in Python, like there's a package I can call. And that's, what's really yeah. handy. Like for someone that I, I think codes well, but is not necessarily like a full on programmer. Um, like that, that's super handy for me. Cause I, like, I, I will tell people at my job, like there are things that you should bring me in for and there's the things you should bring a programmer in for and we should understand what those are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, gotta have the limits of, and, and figuring out like what you wanna do with it is that, I, I don't know how many people I've talked to like, oh yeah, I wanna learn to code. I was like, no, you wanna learn how to develop websites or you wanna learn how to manage data or you wanna learn how to do computer right. science. Like you, you can't just code, like you've gotta figure out a project. Yeah. Um, Okay, that segment probably doesn't go very far for us, uh, so we should yeah. we should move on from that. But I'm very interested in that, um, and we'll continue to chat on Twitter about that, I'm sure. Okay, so I want to um, I want to do two things. One, I want to note for all of the TCU fans who are still listening to this podcast. Um, first, in 2018, you had TCU number 50 overall. Their offense was an appropriate 106, but their defense was number eight um, overall, which seems to be an accurate reflection. 
I'm also happy to note that TCU was 50 and Baylor was 51, <laughs> just right behind TCU. So um, your model's doing a great job, and all of us at Frogs of War are very excited about that. Um, let's spend the last couple minutes here. I don't want to take up too much of your time as we approach that 40-minute mark. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the Pac-12. So a little bit of what I'm doing this summer is just reaching out to people who are nerdy, analytical, and also not necessarily in the Big 12. Um, so let's this this might be some of the only stuff that uh, some of the Frogs War listeners hear about the Pac-12 from a you know quote unquote insider. So let's uh, let's just talk football about the Pac-12 a little bit. How do you see um, the conference shaking out compared to how it's been the last couple of years? Um, are we going to get any surprises out of you know a Stanford or an Oregon or a Arizona State even uh, this this fall? I mean, there's all I mean, there's always somebody you didn't see coming, right? Like last season, I will fully. I mean, the model did not was not ready for Gardner Minshew, <laughs> yeah. the mustache in the Palouse. I mean, just uh, hitting all those checkdowns uh, on their way to glory. Um, you just need a Mike Leach variable, yeah, just like a just like a random variable that's Mike Leach and just comes up with something. But sometimes, yeah. I mean, sometimes, I mean, the weird thing is, is like in 2017, his, his offense was bad, um, and that was a that yeah. was a defense that was that was a team that was carried by that Alex Grinch defense. Which keep yeah. keep an eye on Alex Grinch at Oklahoma because that guy can coach some defense. Um, he can. But I I think the Pac-12 it, it's. There's a lot more uncertainty this time around than there's been in the past. I mean, Washington still comes in. Um, you sort of like them as I get the the standard the, st- the standard projection model I run. I have a new projection model I'm fooling around with, but the standard one has Oregon as the slight favorite in the Pac-12. But if you matched up uh, Washington versus Oregon on a neutral field, or or you know, or either of those two against Utah on a neutral field, they're all they're all kind of toss-up games. Um, yeah. Washington. Their, their offense was not great last season. Um, they have a new offensive coordinator. Their old offensive coordinator is now the, the head coach at Oregon State. Um, they had a phenomenal defense, but they lose their 130 out of 130 in Bill Connolly's returning production numbers, which I happily use. And if you're building a projection yeah, oh yeah. model, you should definitely use. Um, on that defense, even with recruiting being more correlated with performance on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, that gives you some questions coming in. Um, can their offense right. step forward with the, the coordinator? They lose um, Jake Browning and Miles Gaskin. Oregon, you like a lot of the talent coming back. They've been recruiting like gangbusters, but you have questions on the coordinator side. You know, they weren't great on offense last season under Marcus Arroyo. You have, you know, some turnover there. Um, Utah, this, I love the Utes coming into the season. I, I had this season circled for the Utes for the last two years because they were just going to mature yeah. into this. They had a very good defense last season. They always have a good defense under Morgan Scaley, but they've hired, uh, you know, a, they've hired a new OC who's a, he used to be the offensive coordinator during the Urban Meyer run with them. Um, you know, to come in, I, I like this Utah this Utah team. They're they're pretty much a, a heavy heavy favorite in the South because I think the model's overestimating the projection model's overestimating USC because USC has recruited so well over time. But I don't have a ton yeah. of faith in what they're actually putting on the field. Um, but as far as like surprise teams, I mean, if Cal can, and you guys are familiar with Cal, if Cal can find any kind of offense, that defense is is the is the truth. <laughs> You know, yeah, like that. It is that that they are they're incredible. So I watched the uh, in scouting the Cheez-It Bowl, how would be its name? Uh, I watched Cal versus Washington, and you talk just about like a Python vice grip on a defense or on an offense of just the Cal defense being so annoyingly shut down, ruthless. Yeah, that's just impressive to watch. That's that's incredible. Yeah. Um, my thing about Utah, I circling around, you know, kind of as we're going around. My thing about Utah is I just don't feel like I can trust them. I mean, they got hurt last year and then kind of became better after they got hurt, which was pretty crazy. But you're still like, I just, it's kind of like when Colorado was really good that random year, three years ago or whatever, where you're just like, I know that you've played well. I still don't trust what this is beyond like an Alamo Bowl appearance. No, you know? no there are a lot of people in the Pac 12 that feel the same way. I mean, like, I, I think. 
Um, and Utah fans get very offended at this, and they are very engaged, so <laughs> beware. <laughs> um, but I mean, I think a lot of people do, you know, say like, I, you know, can I trust the Utes to really deliver? And they haven't necessarily in the past. And really, it's been on the, you know, the the failings on the offensive side of the ball because the special teams are usually pretty good. The defense is usually pretty good. Um, they just they've had a, a revolving door of offensive coordinators. They can never quite figure out the wide receivers um, and the and the you know even some of the quarter back play but this year i'm in if the youths make me look foolish you know i'll eat my hat i guess but um <laughs> i mean there's like there's always i mean and also like you have you do have to watch out for usc there's so much talent on that team they have recruited so well um that if they if they figure it out at all they're extremely dangerous um yeah and that that and they and they just hired an offensive coordinator who made Mason, I mean, Mason finds a fine quarterback, but made North Texas look um, pretty awesome. Like they, they kind of that went under the radar in light of the Cliff Kingsbury show. Yeah. But the Graham Harrell hire out there is that guy's been around a lot of awesome offenses. If uh, if Clay Helton can get out of his own way, um, and and let Graham Harrell do what he did at North Texas, they could they could very well have it all come together. I mean, he's a little. I mean, I joke. I jokingly refer to him as gluten-free Cliff Kingsbury, but he's, he's <laughs> Cliff Kingsbury light. He's, yeah, he's he doesn't have anything near Kingsbury's pedigree, and and it, no, and, no, and that's. I mean, those North Texas offenses. Like one of the things I like, uh, and if you go do better rank, when I when somebody says like, oh, they just made this great hire, you know, from like whatever school, and they put up a ton of yards, blah blah blah. Like it's not always fair to. It's not, and, and you should not do this. Like. I try to grade power five teams against a one to 65 scale, right? Like, so if you're, if yeah. you're a number 65 ranked power five defense, like you're a bad defense. Like you have too yeah. you have too much money in your staff. You have too much money in recruiting to be this bad, to be worse than power, a group of five teams because they have, some of them have a quarter of your resources. <laughs> so yeah. like I, I tried it, but like when, when I looked, I mean, Harold's offenses were okay at the group of five level. Um, I, it's not that I don't think like I mean everybody when you give them a ton of talent can really take a step forward. It's it's less of a proven commodity though. You're not bringing in Cliff Kingsbury True. who had that incredible offense you know at Texas A&M that year with Johnny Manziel, right? Like it's it's yeah. different. Um, I think you know with with USC like and, and Pendergast and the defense like they lose a ton on that defense. JT Daniels played. I mean everybody expects true freshmen to come in and play like Trevor Lawrence or or two of these days like. More often than not, they play like JT Daniels did last season, which is you know sub sixty percent right. completion percentage. He had fourteen touchdowns. I can God, it's I spend too much time in football. I can rattle the stuff off the top of my head. <laughs> he had ten interceptions. Um, you know, like they I I like the and they have a they have a really solid top four wide receivers. Uh, they don't have the depth you maybe like for the air raid, but um, I'm excited to see it. I, the South beyond beyond Utah is is pretty wide open. I, I think people are a little too high on UCLA. I would say coming into the season, that defense was really bad last season. Um, you know that. Yeah, and the Chip Kelly experience was like cool, but it hasn't really replicated outside of that little window at Oregon. Yeah, and I mean Dorian Thompson Robinson's your quarterback, and you don't have much depth behind him, and he was bad last season and, and Kelly yeah. and that, that season was a lost season because they had already their, their schedule was so tough they were not going to make a bowl and Kelly chose to play that transfer from Michigan instead you know Wilton Spate instead yeah. of playing Robinson I mean that's a smoke if you got him season right like you're not going to make a bowl right. like play your young guys and he didn't so yeah. <laughs> I I I like that. I look at that UCLA team, and I look. I mean, I look at their schedule. They open at Cincinnati. I'm going to go to that game. I live in Columbus, Ohio now. Um, that that that's a real tough game. Cincinnati's favorite in that game in Vegas. It's favorite in Beta Rank. Um, Cincinnati's going to win that game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they yeah, got Oklahoma sure. again. Um, I mean, ASU is interesting. I think they take a step forward on defense. I you know I, I with Manny without Manny Wilkins and Nikhil Harry. Um, they're going to be good enough running the ball that I think that that'll take some pressure off whoever their new QB is. But I think they could have some growing pains this season. Arizona, I mean, it's it's Khalil Tate or bust. If Khalil Tate is 2017 Khalil Tate, then all things are wonderful. If he's not, then um, I don't know that the rest of the team has progressed enough to get to where they yeah. need to be. I mean, there's people underestimate the sort of recruiting crater Rich Rod left at Arizona. Yeah. Um, 
But a fun team. It's kind of that long, long experience. Yeah. Yeah, and but such a fun, almost like the anti-Cal in that, like, Khalil Tate, when healthy, has the opportunity to be so good that you just need defense to give you some breathing room yeah. for them to have a pretty a pretty successful season. Yeah, I mean, his, he, he put on, and it was, it was most, I mean, it was overwhelmingly running the football. Um, you mm-hmm. know, his legs are so dangerous. But it also, I mean, when he's able to, when you're able to hurt them with pace, um, and also uh, hit them with a running QB, it, it really cleans up your reads if you're a QB because the defense has to focus in on you um, and maintain, contain. Right. Um, they'll often switch over to zones so they can keep an eye on you. Uh, and all of those things, along with sort of the pace of, of play, if you're really pushing it, can really, really clean up your reads. Tate, Tate everybody, in, everybody in Arizona, and I mean, I follow Arizona quite closely, you know, a lot of people blame Noel Mazzoni last season. Tate really hurt his ankle. I mean, even that yeah. the you guys are familiar. I mean, well, I guess less familiar because A and M moved to the SEC. But I mean, even those Trevor Knight A and M teams, like Trevor Knight, ran the ball like ten times a game with Noel Mazzoni calling right. plays. Like he's not against running his QB. Um, yeah, but that Arizona team is interesting. I mean, there, there's a lot of teams in that South that project around five wins. Um, I would say if you're if you're sort of like do yourself a favor if you are a football fan and i hope everyone is <laughs> but <laughs> if uh, they're listening this long they definitely are <laughs> uh if you ca- if you randomly catch a pac-12 after dark game like try to catch an oregon state game next season because jonathan smith who was the uh, coordinator at washington the offensive coordinator at washington and had some really great offenses um he's the head coach there and he's calling plays they're a ton of fun on offense um, I watched them at the Horseshoe last year come in and oh, dang. sort of surprised. I mean, I, we didn't realize how bad Ohio State's defense was going to be, uh, but they really surprised early on. And their defense is not good. <laughs> so they, they, they yeah. will probably lose the game. But on the flip side of it, you will get to see some really excellent um, play calling and design uh, there. They're, they're sort of a fun, fun team to watch. And the North, I mean, everybody, like, nobody can believe, like, if you don't look at Stanford's schedule, you're like, what do you mean Stanford's projected projected to only win six and a half games? But Stanford has a brutal schedule this season. Um, and they, I mean, Stanford was weird last year. I don't know if you've, like, they, they couldn't run the football. Um, yeah. They all of a sudden become this, they became this incredibly efficient passing offense. But almost all their pass catchers are gone. <laughs> and Bryce Love's gone. Yeah. It was, it was that, uh, the San Diego State game that, like, they should have lost because Bryce Love couldn't run it, but JJ Ortega Whiteside just like yeah took over and came out half. of nowhere and yeah just incredible um yeah so they they're they're a super weird team I've heard that as like the the trendy pick of the best six win team just because their schedule is pretty insane they've got uh, for those who don't know they've got Northwestern they've got at UCF um, they've got Notre Dame like always um, have to go to the Palouse yeah uh, so yeah it's it's a pretty it's a pretty unenviable schedule playing at Colorado is always weird um, so yeah Stanford could be could be crazy I mean, the, the pack the, the, the thing in the pac 12 though is and it's been a down if, if you look at like conference trends and uh, I have what's awesome and I love is I'm able to put together you can go to like our program tracker on beta rank on, on sharp college football and put in a team. And you can see that team's metrics and beta rank that I track, and even some raw metrics um, over since you know since 2012. Um, and so I, I track the best. I plot what your team is or the team that you're looking at. I plot plot the best team at that in college football. I plot the worst team, and I plot the conference average. But if you look at the conference average for the Pac-12 in beta rank since 2013, 2014, it's been pretty steadily down. And the the conference feels it. The conference feels the lack of respect and sort of consistently getting left out of the playoff. Um, although last season, you know, we had we, the Pac-12 had two, three lost teams facing off for the, the Pac-12 championship. I don't know if this is the season, unless somebody really takes a step forward, um, you know, nobody projects to be that great. I mean, like I said, like there's going to be, there are going to be surprises out there. Like, you know, you can't, you can't always predict, <laughs> you know, who's going to be great season in season out, but it's a, uh, this could be an, this could be another sort of tough year, I think. There's but there's some measuring mm-hmm. stick. The Pac-12 has a couple of measuring stick games. That Oregon game against Auburn on a neutral site early on yep. to open up the season. That's something that folks will keep an eye on. But um, keep an eye on Notre Dame versus USC 
Uh, USC fans really measure themselves, not just in the Pac-12, but also against their games against other national powers, particularly that Notre Dame game. If that game's not close and Clay Hilton still has a job, he might not have a game, job after that one. Um, and Stanford, too. Like if, I mean, Stanford, Notre Dame really blew Stanford out of the water last season. Um, it's Yeah. The, the Pac-12 has to, has to figure out a... Has to, I mean, and it's it's been tough out west, and you guys you guys see this in um, in Big Twelve country. Like the SEC is recruiting so well. I mean, the you know the the powers, um, you know, the traditional powers are, are really sort of expanding their reach across college football. I mean, uh, Clemson just got a quarterback from California. <laughs> you know, the, that's crazy. Yeah, those kinds of things are, are happening more and more often. I mean, like even I mean Jacob Eason, who's going to start at Washington this this season, like he he went to Georgia and then eventually lost out to Jake Fromm, but he's from Seattle. I mean, a kid from Seattle went to to Georgia to start out to play his college football career and I mean the Pac-12 has got to got to figure some things out I think uh you know recruiting wise to keep guys at home and um it's tough because the the Pac-12 network isn't generating as much money and there's you know there's less money for a staff budget yeah and their games are on it you know oh don't even get me started I live on East East Coast time now like so just so you know at some point in your life if you like college football go live out on the West Coast because it's like it's awesome so you wake up and it like I I even good I even did mountain time zone for two years I did a master's in Montana and the two years of mountain time zone even opposed to central was just so pleasant yeah yeah if you like sports it's like perfect I mean like I'd wake up in uh in Tucson and uh you know, at, at 9 a.m., the Big Ten games would come on. You know, you just, you know, I'd, I'd clean my house yeah. and, you know, eat some eggs and watch some Big Ten. And then, you know, the rest of the, the, the rest of the games are done fairly early. But, uh, yeah, it's pretty brutal. Um, and we're, it's, it's something that I, 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 I hope that for all of college football, we find a little more rebalancing, I suppose you could say. I mean, we're, we're sort of in a, we're li- we're all sort of living in Alabama and Clemson's world at the moment. Maybe Georgia too. Yeah. I mean, don't 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 sell the dogs short. Like they're they're Kirby Smart has built a juggernaut with recruiting. Yeah, and the fact that they're still in that conversation, like the conversation is, it's it's Alabama and Clemson's world until Georgia does something about it. And Kirby Smart's been there. What this will be year four? Uh, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, the, it's, yeah. A, it's okay. A tough, what, it's tough out there. I mean, but I'm excited. If you're a TCU fan, and, and you and I have talked about this on Twitter, like Beta Rank's projections yeah. probably a little low on them because it takes in prior year performance. Um, you know, as part of mm-hmm. as part of the way we score things. But you guys had all those injuries last season. Um, you know, I TCU is definitely a team that could surprise at full strength. Yeah, and if the quarterback situation figures itself out, that's I mean, you know, that's a huge if. But the defense is obviously there. A little bit of health and a stable quarterback situation, TCU could very easily find themselves playing in Arlington. I think for the uh, Big Twelve championship again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I would not necessarily. <laughs> I don't want to offend anyone. I am so excited though to see Alex Grinch coach a defense opposite Lincoln Riley. Yeah. Are you kidding well, me? Ta- like that's amazing. Talk about. <laughs> Talk about an offense that just needs a little bit more from defense because they were they were flying death machine, you know, right there. And if he, he, he his track record, if his track record comes with him, that's they're going to be very scary. Yeah, I mean, if you uh, there's if you don't if you don't there's no harder power five job than Washington State. Um, it is yeah. it is in the middle of nowhere in Washington. <laughs> like it's in eastern Washington. You say it's harder it's than cold. Harder than Purdue. Yeah, I mean, I live in the Midwest. Purdue is, there's lots of stuff right around Purdue, right? Ah. Like, I mean, nothing's too far away. Like, Washington State, like, you can't even fly into Pullman. Like, you have to fly into Spokane and get on a bus (laughs) and ride 45 (laughs) minutes over to Pullman. Um, It's a a really, really tough job. And the fact that he was able to put it, like, I, I am, offense scheme matters. I am not surprised that Mike Leach is able to put together even some elite offenses up there. Um, you know, and with his reputation in particular, I think too, but with defense, like you got to recruit some guys like that have some athleticism that have some twitch to them, you know, because it's, it's about reaction. And he was able to put together some defenses, you know, year in, year out that ranked in the top 25, top 30 in beta rank. That's, that's amazing in the, in, in Pullman, Washington. Um, I mean, I try to think if there's anything else that sort of like, like maybe Vanderbilt, I mean, and I, Full disclosure, I've been out of my graduate work there, so I am aware of like the vast difference between Vanderbilt and every other SEC school. 
and like right. I don't know football passion you name it um I mean maybe Vanderbilt just because it's it's such like because everybody else is such a juggernaut and cares so much yeah and Vanderbilt's too busy doing things like building hospitals and being nerds to you know <laughs> invest in football resources. <laughs> those those good people. Um, yeah, that's crazy. I think I think. Okay, so let's let's do this. Let's uh, we're we're about to hit an hour, so let's let's put an end on this or put a bow on this podcast. This has been so great. Um, before we go, give us your your playoff team. So not necessarily doesn't have to be what the beta rank thinks. Could be beta rank plus your interpretation. Who are your four playoff teams this year? So I, I mean, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shock everyone, and I'm gonna say Alabama and Clemson again. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's when you look, when you look at it, though. I mean, they're just so they've recruited so well, and that that's the hard part, right? Like, you, it's, it's one thing to get, because the difference between this is, this is true. When people think of rankings, they think that there, there is a stepwise similar difference like similar to the ordinal rank. So if I'm going between one to 10, right? Um, like the, the, the 10th team is, you know, only those 10 incremental spots worse than the one team. That's, that's actually not right. true. <laughs> so no. yeah. um, the very, very best teams are very, very, very good. Um, I, but here's the thing, like I, I really do. It's there's, there's not, there's no, it's it could be anyone this year. Like if you look across the Big Ten, you've got a three-headed monster of Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan. I actually like Penn State a little, in that no one's talking about them, but they've recruited really well. Um, Ohio State's defense gives me pause from the way they performed last season, um, yeah. and Michigan just gives me pause because I'm not a believer yet. Um, no, they they like that's kind of those you know. Everybody talks about you shouldn't bet against Kansas to lose the Big 12 in basketball until they do it. And it's kind of that thing is like you shouldn't bet on Michigan to win the Big 10 until they do yeah. it because they just haven't got other help. I did see Penn State, though. We're, we're going off rabbit trails all over the place. But Penn State, I saw somebody tweeted out Penn State's record, James Franklin's record with Joe Moorhead and without Joe Moorhead. And it is bad. No, it's to- I mean, it he's is so good. I- big discrepancy. Yeah, I, I'm big on Mississippi State. Yeah, um, just just from Moorhead and being able to develop. Um, they had a phenomenal defense last year. They were they were actually yeah. a defense first team. Um, no, I mean all right. So my four. Sorry, I will try. I, I am not good. I drive people crazy <laughs> no, because I am I am Mr. Tangent. Um, so <laughs> same here. No worries. I, I mean, I'll, I'll give me Alabama, Clemson. I'm going to say that this is the year that a second SEC team goes again, and I think it's Georgia. Um, but don't sleep on LSU. Um, and then, then it's 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 either Penn State or Oklahoma. Um, I I just I'm such a big believer in what Lincoln Riley's doing offensively, and with Alex Grinch on there, I'll, yeah. I'll take the Sooners again. Just because I, I watch those defenses, you get excited to 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 try to break down some some Alex Grinch speed D. Yeah, we are we are not excited about. Oh, I'm that sorry, but that's, if you like football, you're like yes. This football is so fans exciting. will be very excited. Yeah, that's great. Um, well, Rob, we're in an hour, man. I would thank you so much for your time. We've loved having you on the podcast. We'll definitely have to have you back during the season. Um, and so go ahead and, uh, and just plug, we'll put it on the show notes too, but plug all your things. Yeah. Sharpcollegefootball.com. So yeah, we, uh, we where just can we find you all? Sharpcollegefootball.com. I'm at on Twitter at, uh, beta rank FB, um, put underscores in between things and you will find me. Um, otherwise it's Rob B O W R O N. Um, yeah, those are the main ones. I don't really try to do Instagram or anything like that. Like, if you follow me on Instagram, you're just going to see more pictures of, like, the my cooking adventures. And I mostly <laughs> assume people don't care about that. Um, but I'm always happy to answer questions. Uh, I find the math behind this sort of interesting. Uh, if you really want to take a deep dive into things, like, I have been reborn in the in the church of the Reverend Bays, if you will. So I'm a, <laughs> I'm a pretty strong Bayesian. Um, I, I met Andrew Geller uh, when I was in New York. <laughs> who's the you know the architect behind uh, multi-level hierarchical bayesian modeling um what's what's the probability you're bayesian given that you met him oh jeez. well no and then well no then i went to the it's funny because like i met him and i was like oh this is amazing and then i started doing beta rank and i was like yes we're gonna we're gonna do bays like so like there's a point in the middle of the season where i switch over to building out bayesian priors um jeez. Oh, 
But that's awesome. When I, I went to go work at the startup after the New York Times, and it was all these Danish physicists, and so like I went to Copenhagen, and like I just like nerded out with all these Danish physicists who also happened to be Bayesians and fans of Andrew Geller. <laughs> so <laughs> interesting. That's crazy. Although Andrew Geller is is I joke that I'm somewhere on the uh, on the autism scale sometimes, but he fully is like will say just crazy rude things to people without a without a thought so <laughs> he's, he's a funny follow um but yeah you can find me on you can find me on twitter check out i, I really recommend shark check out sharp college football i am trying to put i'm always trying to put more data out there i have a ton of depth of what you can get into now um because of of what i have uh football wise i mean just sort of data wise that i've been sitting on um i will also have uh i run the sharp college football twitter account i also run a I run too many Twitter accounts. Um, I need to get out of that. I need an intern. Um, and then you can also find me on Reddit. Um, I During the season, I turn the Reddit bots on and I post across all of the conference Reddits um, and the... Um, and the college football Reddit, um, so that you can th- so that people can find my beta rank there as well. Um, it's where you can sometimes find me arguing with Texas fans. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I love I, arguing with Texas I just, fans. I I mean I, I try to have a good I try to have a good time with it. Um, even when people come in and accuse me of being stupid and <clears throat> like doing stupid math and things like that, like eh, you know, such is life, right? Like it's a uh, I, I get I get a I get a real kick out of this. This is sort of a, an intersection of my my two passions. So, for sure. Well, man, you're a super interesting person. Uh, super smart. Awesome to have you and get a little of your inside view into the beta rank. We'll definitely be following it. Um, for those of you listening, remember you can find us at Frogs of War on the internet. You can find us at Twitter Frogs of War. I'm at Stats of War. Um, similar to Rob, we're here. We're talking on the internet. So come find us. Um, Rob, thanks so much, man. Um, Enjoy your summer, and we will catch up again soon. Absolutely. Thanks.